Hey friends, welcome to the More Than a Mother podcast. I am your host, LaJuan Moses, and I am a mom on a mission to help you master your mindset and own your time so you can make space in your busy life for your dreams and goals. Join me each week for tangible tips, tools, and strategies that you can use to show up as your personal best in motherhood, business, and life. We are helping you truly step into your own and find the freedom to do more of the things you love and enjoy without feeling guilty or overwhelmed. My guest today is Caitlin McCurdy. Caitlin is a pelvic health therapist who graduated from the Ohio State University with a bachelor's of science degree in biology and received her doctor of physical therapy degree from Washington University. Upon graduation, Caitlin specialized in the the treatment of pelvic health and orthopedic conditions. Caitlin's passion for pelvic health stemmed from noticing the impact these conditions can have on the quality of life. She strives to empower people to return to their desired activities without pain, difficulty, or fear. Today, Caitlin and I dove into a unique conversation about the pelvic floor muscle and how that is vital to supporting our organs. It is the floor of our core and it does so much to help regulate things within our body. And if I'm being honest, I never knew the importance of this muscle. And I didn't even know there was a such thing as a pelvic health therapist until I sat down with Caitlin. In this conversation, we talked about how pregnancy shouldn't be painful, how we can incorporate exercise into our daily lives, and how we really can start to restructure our thoughts around exercise because our body needs it and it loves movement. When asked what it means to be more than a mother, Caitlin said, To me, being more than a mother means that I continue to pursue my individual passions while still being passionate about being a mother. It's about finding the right balance between work, rest, family, and fun. I'm hopeful that in being more than a mother that I model to my children that they can create a life they love with a family they love. Let's dive in to this conversation with Caitlin. Hey, Caitlin, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I am well. Welcome to the More Than a Mother podcast. I am so glad to have you here with me today. Yes, thanks for having me. Before we get started, if you could just take a moment and introduce yourself to the audience. Absolutely. So um, I'm Caitlin McCurdy Robinson, and um, I'm a physical therapist who specializes in pelvic floor physical therapy. Um, and I have been practicing for eight years and have specialized in pelvic health throughout that whole time. Um, and I just started my own company within that as of the beginning of this year. So I started inner strength physical therapy this year. And, um, I also do some teaching, uh, do some continuing ed courses and, uh, teach for the local, um, doctor of physical therapy program here in Charleston, South Carolina. That is wonderful. Now, this is a first. I have never, I don't think I've ever had a physical therapist of any kind on the show. So I know that this is going to be a great conversation. So before we get into all that you are doing with inner strength, all that you do as a pelvic floor therapist, if you could just kind of briefly walk us through your journey, your transformational moments, those aha moments in your life that put you on the path that you're on today. Yeah. So, um, 
I have had lots of aha moments and I expect more to come, but my very first aha moment came when I was in undergrad and I thought I was going to be a sportscaster. That was what I thought I wanted to do. And I had this vision and it turns out that I am awful at writing. And I was doing fairly, really well in my chemistry classes and kind of had this moment of, I feel like I'm trying to force myself to be good at something and for a vision that I'm not sure was really what I wanted. So I had this moment and realized that that wasn't my fit. So um, I started exploring healthcare and I graduated pre-med and tended to go to medical school and had my next aha moment that um, that wasn't quite the pathway that I wanted. So I did a lot more self-discovery and um, interviewing with other people basically and kind of shadowing and trying to decide where I was headed next. And that's where I had this big moment for me of how important movement was in my life. I had been an avid exerciser. I'd never considered myself an athlete, though I think I've changed my mindset on what an athlete really is. Um, and just recognize how important exercise was to my quality of life and how important I know it is now, especially to other people's quality of life. If you are enjoying this show, feeling inspired and motivated, learning something new, or just want to show some love, please do me a favor and help me spread the word. Screenshot this episode and share your favorite takeaways in your Instagram stories. I am truly growing my Instagram and I want you there on the journey with me as we continue to grow and build. Don't forget to tag me at Lawan Moses so that I can share your share. Each time you share this show, it helps me to reach more and more moms just like you. Don't keep this greatness to yourself. Tell a mama you know about the More Than a Mother podcast today. Remember, motherhood is a universal experience and we are all in this together. If so, started my journey to get my doctorate in physical therapy. And um, while I was there, I was really fortunate that we had a program that really emphasized at the time the, the specialty was called women's health. They've now kind of transformed that because everyone has a pelvis, not just women. So we've kind of changed the scope of that a little bit and the, the terminology of it. Um, but I had a program where there was a women's health clinical residency and the residency directors there did a lot to educate us about the field. And I really got very inspired by that and noticed that on top of just movement in general being so important for quality of life that these issues related to the pelvis were important. So um, kind of went a little bit deeper into quality of life with some things about like bowel, bladder, sexual health. And um, I found, <laughs> found myself just scouring journal articles and just being so enthralled, which typically is not the most fun thing to read. But I just found myself constantly saving more and more journal articles about pelvic floor. And that was kind of another, probably my biggest aha moment of this is what you're meant to do. You're, you're very excited to read a 50 page journal article on this topic. You clearly really like this. Um, and I did a internship in pelvic health in Chicago. And again, I was waking up 
at probably, you know, 5 a.m. to make sure I was there on time because driving in Chicago is quite an adventure. And again, I was waking up super early. I was there for a late day and found myself excited to go back and do it all over again the next day. And those were um, those were a lot of my aha moments. And then um, I reached a point of aha, I had children. And that was what sort of changed a lot of how I was as a practitioner of, I don't think I really understood previously and probably played a little bit of kind of a blame game towards my patients of not understanding why it was so hard to exercise, you know, because before you have kids, you can, if you have a rough day, you can go for a run and it's easy to do that. And um, having kids really changed the way that I practiced, the way that I prescribed exercises, the way that I tried to make exercise more, um, more available to someone's life versus what do you mean you can't do 15 exercises every day? <laughs> so, um, that really changed for me of how I practice. And then also just sort of, um, the way that I wanted my kids to view my work, you know, as they got older, I wanted them to see what their mom was doing and hopefully them be really proud of, of my work and, and how influential I hope it is for other people. That's wonderful. And that's quite a journey from wanting to be a sportscaster to becoming a pelvic floor therapist. Yes. I like how you had those self-discovery moments and not only were you having those moments, you were comfortable enough in that time to make those changes. Cause a lot of people will say they want to do something, say they want to be something and commit to it, get into it, realize, okay, this is not what I want to do, but they don't take that step or take that leap, have that courage to kind of switch paths. But it seemed like you had these skills within you and you were able to be self-aware, self-discovering, like, hey, this is not what I want to do with the course of my life. So before I get thrown into it, I'm going to make that change now. Yes, exactly. And I, when I started physical therapy school, you you know, I never would have imagined that I'd be practicing in pelvic floor. I would have thought, I didn't even know what it was, to be honest, when I, I say, started. I've never heard of it until I saw, I was like, I never knew there was a whole section for the pelvic floor. That's why I'm like, oh, this is very interesting. I couldn't wait to yes. have this conversation. <laughs> and it turned out that one of the residency mentors, who is also one of our professors, I just, for better, for worse, for her, I was very drawn to her and was very, you know, she just had such a great personality and I really wanted to aligned with that. You know, I, I kept seeing, wanting to see myself in her. And so I talked to her and I said, why do you do this? Why do you do pelvic floor? And just kind of having these conversations to understand where, why people got on their journeys and where did I see myself by talking to other people. And she basically let me see it for myself. She said, you know, how about you come and observe me and you can see how you feel about it versus me telling you why. And so that's what I did. And I, I thank her immensely for that, even though I don't know that she had any idea how much of an impact she would be having on my future, but um, to let me experience. And that's ultimately one of the things I recommend for anybody who's trying to really understand where they want to go is really go and observe what you think this path is going to look like for you and try to truly envision your life in it. Because I think you can see an idea on 
social media or on TV and it looks great, but it's very different to live it day to day. And that's, that's what made the big difference for me shifting my careers throughout was really putting myself into the observation of it and going, is this really how I want my life to be? And, and it's changed. And then, you know, I think other variables of having deciding whether or not you want to expand your family and other things make a difference as to how that looks for you too. And I agree with that because as you said, you can look at things and be like distant from them, but it's not really until you get into it, you have the chance to observe kind of thing that's like, okay, this is how it really works. Is this really what I want to be doing? So yes, definitely getting in, observing, if you get hands-on experience, whatever it is to kind of test things out to see how you want them to go and if it will work for you. Back by popular demand, my course Balancing the Busy, How to Manage Family, Business, and All the Things is here for you. And I am so excited to announce that for the month of December, my course will be available for you for 50% off when you use the code CHRISTMAS. I know the end of the year, going into the new year, we are all about setting goals and priorities. And I want to help you do that with my course Balancing the Busy. Inside this course, you are going to learn how to clear some things off your plate, set your priorities and boundaries. I'll give you some exact phrases, tools, and strategies on how to say no. And we are going to tackle that pesky mom guilt. So inside the course, you're going to have the worksheets and templates and everything you need so that you can start to balance the busy in your life. So head over to my website, LawanMoses.com, and grab Balancing the Busy, How to Manage Family, Business, and All the Things for 50% off for the month of December. Don't forget to use that code CHRISTMAS. Now, I know you mentioned that you realized how important movement was and then also how important the pelvis is and things that we do. So we could just kind of dive deep into that because I know we... We talk a lot about movement. We hear a lot of people talk about exercise. We need to get out, move, because movement is important. But I don't think, I know I haven't ever heard someone focus on the pelvis and how important that is in different areas of life. So if you could just kind of give us a lesson on or educate us on the importance of the pelvis and movement and all of that. Yes, absolutely. So within the pelvis, there's a series of muscles that's called the pelvic floor collectively. It obviously has a lot of muscles within that, but to make it simple, the area of the pelvic floor, it's basically kind of a hammock underneath your pelvis that supports your organs. So it supports bowel function, bladder function, sexual function. And um, it's really, there's a lot of, it's funny, I think different different professions have different areas of controversy. And one of physical therapy's controversy is the definition of the word core. But I think it's one of the terms that is very recognizable to people. So I'm going to use it here despite controversy of it. But the pelvic floor, if we want to put it into that, is really kind of the floor of your core. So most people ignore it, but it has such an impact on how the pressure is being regulated through your body and the support system of your pelvis and a huge impact in terms of, again, like bowel bladder sexual function. So um, it engages mostly kind of subconsciously. Um, I, I'm a very visual person. <laughs> and so the pelvic floor for humans is very much the same way that the muscles for wagging a dog's tail respond. So when a dog is like scared or nervous, it clenches its muscles and it tucks the, tucks the tail. Um, when it's happy, it 
rhythmically contracts the pelvic floor and wags the tail. Ours do the same thing for the most part. So we also have, there's, I see a lot of people with pelvic pain and sometimes theirs is heightened by a stress response. Um, and so they're subconsciously tensing their pelvic floor muscles. Um, and then there's also, you know, different injury injuries or trauma to the pelvic floor that can occur. Um, and that includes, you know, surgery, childbirth, um, falls, for instance, where people land on their tailbone. Um, and that can really impact then, are you able to control pressure? So um, some people have urinary leakage. Some people might have issues with emptying their bowels, pain with intimacy. Um, and all of those can be related to the pelvic floor. That's just a small version of that, but there's a lot more to it. <laughs> no, I think that's wonderful. Just giving that education because we all know that we have one, but I don't think that everyone knows the importance because I know I learned a few extra things about it just now with you sharing that. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And a lot of the ways that I see it in terms of impacting quality of life are the people who say, oh my gosh, I have to run to the bathroom to pee every 15 minutes. This is making it so hard for me to be productive or I don't feel like I can dance at my child's wedding because I'm afraid I'm going to pee um, or I'm no longer intimate with my partner because it hurts. And so to me, those are such great impacts and quality of life that we don't always necessarily think of. Um, we, I think a lot of times in terms of physical therapy and movement, we think of it as very obvious, like, oh, my knee really hurts, so I can't run right now versus, oh, I have a pelvic floor issue that's impacting, you know, potentially various aspects of their quality of life. Wow, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. Never really thought about it that way. Yeah. And it's super common. I mean, it, they estimate, which I think is honestly probably an underestimate, that at least one in three people have some level of pelvic floor dysfunction, one in three women. Um, and I think a newer one said something like one in six men have pelvic pain. And it's, it's more common, but it, I also think people are a little embarrassed to talk about it. So our numbers are probably even underestimated because they're not, not everybody feels comfortable acknowledging. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case because that's not something that I'm sure comes up in regular conversation or people really want to admit to. Exactly. So tell me more about what you do as a pelvic floor therapist and how you are helping people. Yeah. So um, basically my focus is, is their focus <laughs> to put that generally. But um, my main thing is finding out what their specific goals are, because I could look at them and look at their story and say, I want to fix X, Y, Z, but I need them to tell me what's, what's priority for them. And so based on their goals and their priority, we come up with some level of assessment. Usually that involves taking a look at things like hip strength, range of motion, abdominal strength, range of motion, um, their breathing patterns. I try to take really kind of a whole body approach because I want to see the activities that are bothersome for them. I want to watch them do them and see how we can change it to make it more effective or more efficient for them. Um, and then just kind of base exercises or activities around what they are looking to achieve. Um, and my ultimate goal, I tell them sometimes at the start, we have some quote tedious exercises to be foundational to build strength. 
but I always want the end goal to be whatever movements, whatever activities that they enjoy. And that's our whole goal is to build up to movements to get them back to either back to where they want to be or in the direction of where they want to go. Um, and I work a lot with people during their pregnancies who are having discomfort. And my, my major soapbox would be that most other countries, people who give birth are given a referral for physical therapy. And it's like, here's your baby, here's your referral for physical therapy. And it's not our standard of care here yet. Um, but I do think it would be a really preventative and proactive measure that I would love to see happen, which is, of course, my bias. But, um, but that's kind of my goal, too, is to also empower people to be proactive in their lives. I had a professor in grad school who said, we go to the dentist twice a year to be basically kind of proactive on our, our, our dental care. Why don't we go to a physical therapist once or twice a year to say, hey, these are the exercises I'm doing or this is, this is my work setup. Can you make this feel more comfortable for me? Why, why don't we do that? And I, I would love to see physical therapy head in a role of being more preventative and proactive as well. But that's my long-term dreamer goals. And that is interesting because, as you said, a lot of people, we don't get referred to physical therapy or we don't think about physical therapy until there's an injury, until there's an incident. And like you said, it's on the other side. So it's the reactive, like, okay, I have this pain. I have this problem. And the doctors are like, okay, we'll go to physical therapy. Or then we start to seek out a physical therapist to kind of rehabilitate us and help us get back to where we were. But there's so much in listening to you talk. There is so much more that can be done on the forward end, as you said, being proactive, preventative in going to physical therapy. But I definitely agree because a lot of times you don't think about the general public. We don't think about physical therapy until something happens to us and we're injured. And it's like, okay, go see a physical therapist now. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I think there's also the uh, the notion where a lot of times we think of like the post-surgical protocols, whereas often you're going in, you know, two, maybe three times a week. And I do not really, I, I don't take that approach unless somebody's post-operative. But um, otherwise, you know, I really want my patients to feel empowered. I want them to be working on things and not touching base with me as often, but maybe over a longer span of time where, hey, I want you to go home. I want you to work on X, Y, Z. Give yourself a bit of time to do that when you feel like that has integrated well. Let's go ahead and advance. But again, you know, being a parent, I've thought about that. Like, how could I make time and a, a business owner, how can I make time to go into physical therapy two to three times a week? I, I couldn't both financially and just, you know, being able to make the time for it. So I really try to be as mindful as I can. I may recommend a little bit more often depending on what all they have going on. And again, if it's post-surgical, that's a different situation. We're kind of working in a set time frame. But for the other people, not necessarily. You know, it might be something where they can have a bit more time in between. And that's kind of my goal is to figure out how can we make it more accessible for people? How can we make it more feasible? Um, and I think the more that people really step back and think about that, more people will would be able to go to physical therapy if people were willing to make it, you know, make those pieces line up. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now you mentioned how in other countries, there's kind of this referral when someone's pregnant, they're referred to physical therapy, but of course that doesn't happen here in the United States. 
what are the benefits of a pregnant woman going to physical therapy? Yeah, I think during pregnancy, um, a lot of it is is really just addressing, there's a difference between being uncomfortable during pregnancy, which is fairly common, versus being in pain during pregnancy. And you really, a pregnancy shouldn't be painful. Um, so I think that that is a big benefit in terms of going during pregnancy, as well as what are their, I, I hate to use the word birth plan, because that's, uh, I, plan is, plan seems too structured and birth is, birth is anything, uh, but (laughs) exactly, exactly. But to kind of say, what is your, I I sometimes refer to it as like, what's your birth flow chart, you know, of saying like, this is where I want to start with my birth. If this isn't working, we transition to this, then to this and kind of having these ideas in mind where ultimately anything could be possible for your birth, but where do you want to start with it? And is that, that you want to try different positions. Okay, well, how do those positions feel? Because thinking about it like, oh, I know I want to give birth in a squat is different than can I actually hold a squat comfortably for 20 minutes because I might be in that for 20 minutes. (laughs) And so I think kind of getting some physical preparation in terms of someone's goals for birthing can be really helpful as well. Um, And it's also fully okay to say, I want to have an epidural and I want to lie on my side and give birth. Perfect. I'm fine with that. Do you feel comfortable on your side? Is there ways that we can show you how you can feel more supported on your side? And that way your birth feels more comfortable for you in general, um, or kind of like manage that. And, and then during pregnancy, discuss a little bit about the postpartum recovery, because I think that there's a big discrepancy between how much attention you get through your pregnancy. And then it's almost like drops off. Now it's all about baby. And we've forgotten that the birthing person existed. (laughs) So true. So, um, so kind of discussing what can you do without making it overwhelming? You know, I mean, you're caring for a baby that is going to be most, most people's focus, but they also need to know that it's okay to take a little bit of time for themselves. And how can they do that in a feasible manner? Um, because a lot of times what I see is people get that six week clearance and in their mind, it's, I can do anything and everything. Whereas that's really kind of your set point of saying you've, the tissues have healed. Now it's time to slowly rebuild. And how do you do that? And I think that if you see someone during pregnancy, that's a nice way to give some of the preparation for that and just kind of discuss it a little bit and then follow up in the postpartum period to help with guiding them back into whatever activities they want to do. It doesn't have to be a formal exercise program, but even if they just enjoy walking or they just, you know, socially dancing or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's a good point because there is that lack of postpartum support here in the United States also. So I mean, that is a good point that you bring up how when you're seeing someone during their pregnancy, you can kind of prep them, prepare them, talk to them about what its life is going to look like after they have the baby. So yes, that's very important. Are you looking for a speaker for your next in-person or virtual event? Well, look no further. In case you didn't know, I, Luan, me, her, she, yes, me, and the speaker that you need to make your next event a unique, enjoyable, and engaging special experience. Whether you need an event host, a facilitator for workshops and or trainings, 
a keynote speaker or someone to participate in your conference event or panels, someone to help lead your event, be it a social media event, a virtual event, in-person event, small or large conference, or even just to be on your podcast, participate in your Facebook groups or any of your other social media platforms. Look no further. I am here and I am ready to be a part of your next event. If that sounds good to you, if you're looking for someone to come speak about all things motherhood and more, be it productivity, priorities, mom guilt, rising above your obstacles, and so much more, head over to my website, lawanmoses.com forward slash speaking and fill out my speaker interest form. I can't wait to be a part of your next event and I look forward to hearing from you soon. You mentioned early on that movement, exercise, all of that, how important it is and your perspective kind of changed once you started having kids as to how difficult it probably is for us to squeeze in this exercise into our daily lives. So what else? I know one thing you like to talk about is exercise and squeezing that into your life and finding that kind of balance when you have kids. So what are some ways that moms can incorporate exercise into their lives while managing their family life and all the other things we have going on? Absolutely. This has been, was like I said, was one of my aha moments where I was giving people exercises to do and they were coming back and they're like, I'm really trying. And I could see that they were trying. And I had to, like I said, sort of shift my mindset of rather than being like, you need to sit down and you made to make time for this. I changed to say, how can I make it easier for you? What are the things that you are doing in your day, whether it be the positions you're most commonly in, whether it be the activities that you like to do with your family, what are you doing that we can make more active? So um, some of the things that I have enjoyed, if you, and some of it depends on the age range of your family too, you know? So um, when you've got a newborn or infant, to me, that's kind of a built-in weight. (laughs) You have got a built-in weight for you. (laughs) And that um, for me and and some of the things I've recommended are if you use any type of like carrier, like the infant carrier, um, that's a great opportunity to do some things like squats and lunges. And I use that a lot as a way to soothe my baby. And I would fit in some exercise with it. You know, I would get up against the wall and do some wall squats or sit on a ball and bounce. Um, as they got a little bit older and they had better head control, I would do some things like wall planks or wall push-ups with them in the carrier. Um, and you know, whatever I felt that I could safely do while they were supported, um, with just basically using them as a weight and allowing them to be near me because I learned very quickly that my children were the ones that they needed mama a lot. And I had to figure out how to then work in the exercises. Um, I had a full exercise routine for while I was helping them and still somewhat do, um, helping them sleep at night. So laying next to their crib, I had a whole series of exercises that I would do on the floor while I laid there and patted their back on their side. So I talked to women a lot about that, about, um, you know, laying on the floor, doing some leg lifts, doing some bridges. And again, a lot of this depends on where they're at and their healing and how comfortable these things are to do. But to find those times, because otherwise I was going to fall asleep on the floor next to them. (laughs) So if I could keep myself a little bit active knowing, 
and not letting that time be a frustration for me because sitting next to the bed for an hour doing nothing is can sometimes be frustrating for someone who's working. It feels like that's a wasted time, which I hate to say, but you know, it, it can sometimes feel frustrating when you're really stressed to have that time. Um, and so I tried to maximize it and I would lay on the ground and I had my little sets of exercises that I would work through. Um, all while one hand in through the side of the crib, patting them on the back. <laughs> and then as they've gotten a little older into the toddler age, I've started to take the times where we go to the park and let that be my exercise time too. So now don't get me wrong, there are the days where I'm the person who's sitting down, I'm on my phone, I need a minute to myself. But for the days where I'm feeling okay in terms of being caught up on things, I am chasing them around the park. We're playing different games where we do different animal walks. Um, I'll try the monkey bars. I'll get up onto the play sets with them and trying to allow that to be physical exercise while also being engaged with my kids and um, just trying to find the joy in playing with them, but being physically active. And um, some other examples, we'll set up obstacle courses in the house. And so those are things that we all participate in that allow us to exercise. And the kids can take turns setting up the obstacle courses. So it's fun for them. Um, and then my other favorite is that there's so many great songs that are movement-based. Um, there's one that my daughter keeps asking me to play. I need to find it, but it's called like Push Up Polly. Um, and we have just a playlist of songs that are fun. And honestly, they're a great thing for when I'm having a really rough day. And I just put on the music and we dance and we do movement together. Um, and it's just a nice way to be able to play with my kids, but work in some level of exercise. That's great. I mean, I think that's good. And you found a way to be creative in your movement. And I think a lot of us, when we think about exercise, we feel we have to do the walking for 30 minutes, the running, however long, the traditional strength-based exercises or watching, going to the gym or being in an exercise class. And those are things that were like, okay, we, we can't figure out the time to do that. But I like how you shared all of these creative ways that we can incorporate that exercise into things that we already do. And I wish I had you around with my kids or babies because I would have never thought to use my child as a weight. I mean, that is, I mean, as much as I carry them around, that is wonderful advice that that is a built in weight. And the bigger they get, cause you're still carrying them around, the more weight that you're able to lift, so to speak. So that to me, that's wonderful in itself. Yes. And I've had to, for my, my ability kind of restructure what I've thought of as exercise, because to me, like you were saying, it was always kind of like setting aside 30 minutes of time. And I'd be frustrated if I didn't get that amount of time to myself to exercise, but instead starting to think of, um, ultimately the more active you are throughout your day is, is really better for your body versus being totally inactive all day long and then going really hard for 30 minutes once a day. Your body loves movement and it wants to move throughout the day. So even if you just find a five minute little interval where you can do some stretching or some 
jumping jacks or something like that to just kind of get your body moving. Ultimately, I think that that makes your body feel better by the end of the day versus total inactivity. And then, oh my gosh, I'm going to flip the complete opposite and now do a lot for 30 minutes. Yes, I can definitely see that. And it is, as you said, when we take those breaks, those five minutes, I can definitely see the benefit of doing the movement over the course of time. And I like how you said restructuring your thoughts around exercise. And I feel that the more of a, the more we start to restructure those thoughts and we get up and are intentional about even moving around, like doing a commercial break or something like that, we probably will find that we're more active than we would have been if we stopped to do a 30 minute class or an hour class or whatever it is. Yeah. I think it's easier to get frustrated with yourself too. It's easier to get frustrated if you can't make 30 minutes of time versus if you can reframe it and look at it and go, wow, I did do 30 minutes today. It was six times, five minutes, but I did do 30 minutes. And to kind of be able to applaud those victories versus looking at it as a failure if you don't get that set time frame in. Um, and I also think it's great to see, I, I don't get me wrong, I am an introvert. I love my moments of time of exercise where I'm by myself and I get focused time and I'm not saying you shouldn't take that time. But it's also, I've, I've recognized how nice it is for my children to see me exercise. And for them to go, oh, this is fun. It gives them, you know, it's it's like we do with everything else. We're always modeling for our kids and we want to show them the behaviors that we hope that they enjoy or they hope that they want to do. And and it is, it's kind of fun for my kids to look at me and be like, wow, you're strong. I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> Thanks, you know, it's, it's just a nice, because I don't think, you know, I'm again, I just, I think it's a great way for them to start to see exercise in a different way. And I really encourage people as adults not to look at exercise as a punishment for food, you know, like find, find movement that makes you happy. And it doesn't have to be what everybody else thinks it should be. It doesn't have to be running. It doesn't have to be weightlifting. You find the movement that you enjoy and then it becomes exercise. You know, you can make anything exercise is just, I don't know. That's kind of my, my big thing is more quality of life, right? Don't force yourself to do things you don't want to do. Change it to, to find things that are, that are making you happy. I like that. I like how you summed it up as to find movement that makes you happy. I think that is the ultimate goal and getting that movement, getting the exercise that our body does need is to do and all things in life to do th the things that make us happy. So aside from motherhood, what would you say has been the most rewarding part of your life journey so far? I really think it is bringing the quality of life to other people it, it, through movement. I, I can't help it always by any means, but, um, but by, you know, giving people that little bit back um, and kind of celebrating those victories of the things that they either didn't think they were going to be able to do again or that they had sort of resigned was no longer going to be a part of their life. Um, I've seen a lot of people as they've aged who say, well, I'm, I'm getting older, so I'm just not going to be intimate anymore because I'm older. And I, when we can change things and intimacy becomes more comfortable and becomes enjoyable, they're like, wow, I got this whole part of my life back that I just thought was done. Or the postpartum parent who goes, 
well, I just figured that because I had a baby, I'm just going to leak forever. And that's just, that's just what life is now that I had a baby. And then they go, oh, I can go and run after my kids and not pee my pants. Those are just, that's just so rewarding to me to have people regain or, or have a different perspective on that. And that's, that's why I love what I do. That is definitely rewarding. And I thank you for the work that you do as a pelvic floor therapist. Cause I definitely think that it is needed and we don't hear about it enough. So I definitely thank you for sharing all that you shared with us today. If you could just tell the audience where we can find you online and uh, where we could connect with you, any services or anything that you may have that you want to offer at this time, feel free to do so. Sure. So I, um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook with um, Inner Strength Charleston is my handle. And I am getting ready to do kind of a quick little just like short free film series where I'm going to show some ways that you might be able to exercise at the park with your kids. I'm going to see if I can come up with some videos for doing things at home too. And I just want people to be able to see and experiment with it. You know, they don't have to use the exact exercises that I do, but hopefully it gives them some ideas or inspiration for that. Um, I am currently licensed only in South Carolina. So people can access me if, if they're not local to Charleston, I can still do virtual calls within the state of South Carolina. Um, and yeah, my website is innerstrengthcharleston.com. Wonderful. Thank you, Caitlin, for joining me today. This was definitely informative and helpful. And I hope that the moms that are listening have come up with ways that they can start to incorporate more movement and kind of start to restructure our mindset around what it means to exercise and get up and move more. So thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and most importantly, share this episode with all of your mom friends. Let's continue to grow our mom community and support each other. Remember, together, we've got this.